the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Hello, everyone. I want to welcome you back to a continuation of the series on Khaliyat in the Quran. This is Al-Fari, and with me here uh, to unpack a lot of issues related to what we call the Sana Palimpsest, especially comparing the lower layer to today's Quran, known as the 1924 Cairo edition, or any other issues related to the textual criticism or textual variance of the Quran itself. We have shown you a couple of examples in the previous episode when we make a comparison between the lower layer of the Sana'a Palimpsest and the, uh, and the current Quran or the 1924 Cairo edition. Today we'll continue with the same theme. With me here, of course, uh, to discuss all of that is our dear brother, Dr. J. Smith. Dr. J., welcome back. Great to be back. Yeah, thank you. So what are we going to talk about today uh, by way of comparing the lower layer and today's Quran? Yeah, as Muslims have telling us, there's not any differences. They don't, They just change. Uh, may have pronunciation difference. They just change, but nothing that is substantial, nothing that we should be worried about. Certainly not any doctrinal issues or any theological differences and no difference in practices. We're going to show that this is not the case. We've already looked at about three or four. Let's look at some others. So let's go to the screen and let's bring it up there. And remember, we're on chapter 9. Now we're looking at Surah 9, Ayah 9. And on the left side, there's the Sana Palimpsest. On the right side is the Hafs 1924 Cairo edition that we're using today. On one side, it says, and their oath, uh, or in the way of Allah, that's what's different. On the right side, this, uh, and their oath has been changed to the signs of Allah for a small price. And instead of the way of Allah, it's now his way. So, Looking at that, does that change any theology? Does that change any practice or belief here? Well, I mean, uh, one can argue that uh, from his way, are we really referring to Allah, right? Or are we referring to another person? The second thing is, why couldn't it been preserved the exact same way it was written? Now, if we're saying the Palimpsest or the Son of Palimpsest was the earliest Quran, isn't that the closest to the reading that came out of the mouth of Muhammad? Should have been. How it's, come? It's the earliest. Exactly. Then how come the later one is not reflecting that? Yeah. So you have the oath has been taken out, replaced with just a small price, which is what is the other one. And the way of Allah has just been to, to his way. Now, you might say that's not so much different, but why is the oath taken out? 
All right? So here's another one. I want to show you now chapter 9, verse 13, uh, where you have on the left side the son of Apollo says, and why don't you fight? It now becomes a question. Will you not fight? Well, that's hugely different because that means it's, it's stipulating that it's not an injunction, imperative. It's actually a question mark. And they were the first to start aggression, and they intended to drive out the prophet. That has been changed to oaths, and they intended to drive out the prophet, and they were the first to start aggression. Wait, hold a minute. It's changed the prophet and aggression around. So it's moved the two completely different. So what is it? You can see that this uh, broke their oaths, and they were the first to start. And now it's changed to broke, uh, broke their oaths, and they were intended to drive out the prophet. What, what is it? Is it the aggression first or is it the prophet first? So you can see there's a confusion here. The person who wrote it either made didn't know what it meant, so they, they had a difficulty. They just put how they thought it should be. Yeah, and in the Son of Palimpsest, uh, actually, I would argue, uh, is that it's almost talking to people who are either skeptic or uh, hesitant to do this war, if you wish. And in the uh, Cairo edition, it's almost talking to them in the affirmative. Will you not fight? I mean, it's yeah. like you have a duty to do this. There you go. Yeah. Okay, let's stay with chapter 9. We want to look at ch- uh, chapter 9, verse 17. On the left side, the sana, in this world and the next, for those whose deeds fell in this world and the next has been changed to for those their deeds fell worthless. Uh, so it's... It's 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 talking about just deeds. The other one adds the word worthless, showing what kind of deeds it is. So it's making it an an a lot lot more important. Yeah, yeah. For the the, the one in the Son of Palimpsest being very specific that uh, their deeds are worthless in both in this life and in life to come. And that's why they're in hell. Exactly. That's why they go to hell, because it's worthless. So they had to put more emphasis on it. They had to put a more uh, uh, imposition on why is it they're going to be in hell. That did not exist when it was first introduced. Right. But in 1924, the door is still open for them to recover from that. There you go. All right. Stay with chapter 9. Let's go to verse 18, the very next verse. Now, here's an interesting one, because here you have, it's talking about Allah in the last day. And that he that uh, that he struggled in the name of Allah. So the Muslim is struggling in the name of Allah, uh, and he did not fear anyone but Allah, for it is expected that those who are successful will be the rightly guided. That all there is now changed. Look what it's changed to. It's talking about this person performs the salat. The prayer. That's not in the first part. And gives the zakat. That's not in the first part. And fears none but Allah. It is they who are on true guidance. So uh, fascinating. It's adding these these yeah. practices. These practices didn't right. exist at the very beginning. Yeah, it seemed like in the Son of Palimpsest, the, the standard that I can judge you by, that you are one of those who believe in Allah, that you have performed jihad. It's it. That's it. Right. Here... It's just the act of praying and giving. There you go. So praying and giving, these, which are practices of the five practices that would have been added at a much later date. Remember, those are only introduced by al-Buhari in the ninth century. So it could be that this was written. That's why these are now included in the Quran, in the, in the upper lay, or the, you might say in the Quran that we have today. Fascinating because that would have a problem with the dating, proving that the, this, even the practices were added in at a later date mm-hmm. in the Quran itself. Hugely significant, obviously, because that shuts down this idea that doesn't change practice. It does in that case. Still in chapter 9, we're in verse 80 here. 
Allah does not forgive them. Indeed, Allah does not guide the defiantly disobedient people has been changed to Allah will not forgive them because they disbelieve in Allah and his prophet and Allah does not guide the divine. Here, instead of just Allah does not give, uh, forgive them because of, of not forgiving 70 times, it is now because they don't, live, uh, they don't obey the prophet. That has been added to what, why is it that he will divide, uh, uh, that they are disobedient and they defy him. Yeah, I mean, this one in the 1924 version is so damaging because you're elevating Muhammad to the status to, of being equal to Allah. Absolutely. Obeying him is necessary for your salvation. So at the very beginning, in the late 7th century or early 8th century, when the son of Palm says that was not a problem, but prophet wasn't up there. He's now added to... Right. And so I would suggest that if this is the case, I would have loved to see the rest of the son upon him, just because all those cases that you see all the way through the Quran, the, uh, Allah and his prophet, Allah and his prophet, are these later renditions? Are these a later addition? If that is so, that is a doctrinal difference, that is a belief difference, and that is a difference in practice. All three are impinged by what we're seeing here. Here is just one window where the prophet has been added at a later date. The prophet was not there at the at the earliest at in the earliest text. If that is the case with here, I would suggest that is the case with all the references to the prophet. And the another Quran. damage, of course, is that uh, traditionally speaking, chapter nine is considered to be either the last or among the last chapters to be revealed. Isn't that fascinating? Speaking. These are yeah. all in yeah. chapter nine. Now we then go to chapter twenty-four, and here we have. Uh, O you who have believed, do not enter your houses other than your own houses until you seek welcome. So be careful. Don't uh, go there until you seek welcome. In the Quran that we have today, it's until you seek welcome and greet those in them. Again, not maybe seemingly insignificant, but this is a difference in practice, is it not? Yeah. I tell you what, this one is interesting because it's almost talking about the personal peace as Jesus gave instructions in the gospel. When you go and find someone, like in the gospel of Matthew, for instance, or Luke, in there he says something about peace, by the way. Fascinating. Isn't that interesting? Okay. Yeah. There you go. So this, is, this would be symptomatic of that. Now let's, start, let's stay with chapter 24. I want to look at one more example, and that's the next verse, uh, verse 28. Here you have on the left side, go back, then go back, for it is good for you. Indeed, Allah is knowing of what you do. On the right side in the Kyrene text, it says, go back, then go back, for it is pure for you, and Allah is knowing. So rather than good, it is pure. It is an imp- to me, this is a higher injunction on them. They're not just something good. This is actually pure for you to do this uh, That before you go therein, into, before you go into someone's house. That's right. I mean, it's one thing to say it's good, chayron, uh, here. It's another thing to say, azka. That's where we get the, the, the word, by the way, for the, the Lord Jesus in the Quran, chapter 19, verse 19, gulam and zakiya meaning he's pure. That's where the word zakah, by the way, that the alms given is to purify yourself by giving. So uh, to, to be purified and pure is much more stronger than to be just doing something that is good. Okay. What I want to do in the next episode is look at the upper text. We looked at the lower text and compared it. Let's now look at the upper text. And I'm going to give you a graph uh, that 
a number of people have put together that I borrowed from them. And I want to show you just comparing the different verses with the Kyrene text from the upper text, not the lower text, the upper text. We even have problems with the upper text when you compare it with the Quran, something that Muslims don't like us to admit. So we're not, the upper text was for the mid-age century. Let's see what we do find. That's for the next episode. Wonderful. You've heard the man. Until next time, have a blessed day. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back after this message. You're listening to Let Us Reason with Al Fadi. We depend on the generous gifts of our supporters to produce this program. To join us in this work, go to patreon.com and search for CIRA International. That's C-I-R-A International. You can also donate through PayPal. Go to CIRAinternational.com to learn more. Your support will help us continue introducing Muslims to the gospel of Christ. Now, back to Let Us Reason. Greetings, everyone. This is Al-Fadi, and I welcome you back to a continuation of our series on creating the Quran. Last time, we uh, took a deep dive into the lower layer of the Sana'a manuscript, and right now we are going to take a look also at the upper layer of the Sana'a manuscript and explore some of the problems that are found in there when we compare it to the 1924 Cairo edition. With me here in studios to unpack all of that for us is our dear Dr. Jay Smith. Dr. Jay, welcome back. Yeah, good to have be back and also to continue with this uh, very interesting Sana'a manuscript problem because obviously it is a difficulty since it's been since it was discovered back in 1975. And so far the Muslims haven't really dealt with it. It's been Europeans who have been dealing with it. It's the European scholars like Elizabeth and Gerard Puin. They have probably done more work on it than any other. We, uh, Asma Hilali is for the first one that's tried to respond with it, uh, it from within the Islamic tradition. Did not do a very good job. And some people believe she, she wrote this way too early. She should not have been the one to write it because she was not the one who really did the work on it like the Puin's even Sedegin and, uh, and uh, Bergman have, with, a, with what they did on the radiocarbon, they were uh, further ahead than her. But notice that, that both Sedegi and also Bergman came back to a conclusion that the paleographical evidence is better than the radiocarbon evidence. Right. And I want to just say something about her book. Uh, just I'm a little bit biased, uh, the fact that she's an Arab and she's from North Africa. And I spoke with her in the past. And, and in my humble view, uh, her book is an excellent resource for my research, to say the least. Yeah. It's just the conclusions right. are not necessary. That uh, no, Very few of the scholars are going with her conclusions because she's trying in, she's trying to push it. She's trying to force it within the Islamic traditions, which is knee-jerk reaction that many people have. Now, let's go, and l that was the lower layer that we're talking about. Now we're in the upper layer, so this is, uh, she, scholars used to say this is dated to 705, but as you see, almost all the scholars that we quote, and that's why we're quoting scholars, because they're the ones that have done the work on it. They're making, they're saying that the upper layer is mid-8th century. So we're talking about, about the time that, uh, that the Abbasids come to power. We're no longer talking about, mm -hmm. uh, we're no longer talking about Abdul Malik and Hajjaj. Right. I want to say something about this, uh, uh, you know, uh, tension about the dating or the difference in dating between the lower layer and upper layer. Those who would like to say that, oh, the difference was just less than 50 years, you know, there is a problem with this. That tells me that when the lower layer was written, people quickly discovered that it did not represent the Quran. So it still has a problem. 
whether it was within 50 years or later. Well, you're going to see. I'm going to answer this problem. Yeah. This lower layer is symptomatic of other codices. And this is where Schumacher really comes in. He comes into his, uh, I, I like what he's done. He said there were other codices. Listen, this Quran had to come from somewhere. Where do you think that it came from? true. Who and I am 100% on board with that. Exactly. It doesn't just come ex nihilo. Exactly. It has to have been borrowed from other sources. That is correct. Those sources would have existed in the 7th century. Looks like this lower array represents one of those codices, which have now long since been destroyed. Remember, that's what the Abbasids did, right? We know this. Look and see what even Al-Buhari even mentions, that uh, he, when he was given 600,000 of these Akbar, these sayings, right. Somebody, just the Hadith, he yeah. then whittled them down to 7,397. That's 90, 98% of them were thrown away. I mean, Jay, someone didn't just sleep and wake up thinking that there is a Quran and they wrote the lower layer. They had to have memorized it or saw something and wrote it based on that. Yeah, well, I would suggest it reflects other codices. And we're going to get to that. Schumacher is going to talk about I that. I am Hold on. 100% on board. In fact, I did a presentation one time to support this view. Okay, so we're at the upper layer. Let's just uh, go back to our slides again. I want to show you this slide here. And here is from Asma Hilali's book. This is not her, uh, this is not her slide. These are my slides that we put together to show a comparison back and forth. Hatun Tash is actually the one that actually created this one. Uh, and she's, was, uh, she's part of our team that works with us there in London. And if you just take a look at chapter 6, verse 63, in the upper text, uh, uh, Anjatana, uh, you rescued me. If you look at the Kyrene text, it's Anjana, which means he rescued. So that's just a change of uh, the change from you to he. So second person to third person. Coming down to sixteen seventy six, you direct him comes he directs. So this is again; these are just different uh, changes in who is the one that is doing this. He sends or we send. You make firm, he makes firm. We gather, you gather. They follow. But it's theologically, it could have a problem when you put it in context. Understood. But what are we showing here? This is what people need to realize. Almost every one of these, which does a difference of person, have to do with diacritical markings. This has nothing to do with consonantal text differences. Whereas what we were looking at earlier with the lower, uh, the lower text, that is consonantal. That is a lot more damaging. The consonantal text is much more damaging because that is a complete, those are completely different words, different phrases, as we saw when we looked and did a comparison. In this case, I, would, I, I, I realized that this is when the diacritical marks were coming in. This is when they're starting to, they're not canonized at this point. So you put your marks where you want to, I put my dots where I want to, and uh, you call yours the Al-Fadi Quran, I call mine the Joseph Quran or the J Quran, and uh, we now come up with two different Qurans right there mm -hmm. because the dottings are different. And it just changes you to him, he to they. That's true. If you can, uh, if you can almost in every case, uh, so it will feminine or so it will masculine. They see versus you see. She does, he does. It feminine or is it it masculine? You can unpack that and say yes, that this does change the theology. We're not going to do that right now. We don't have the time. I just want people to get to know and realize that even the upper layer, there is not any standardization at this point. And we're talking about mid-8th century. There's still no standardization. And this is not the full Quran. There's this, this is a, a just piecemeal part of the Quran. All right? So let's see what the conclusions are, and let's see what the scholars are saying. In every case, I'm using scholars here. I want to see what their conclusions are. Uh, before I 
get to Shoemaker, though, let's just see. He said that the very, uh, in, on page 76 and 77, the presence of surah titles and decorative features between the surahs indicate a later date in the 7th or the early 8th century. So that's what he's talking about, the lower layer. But Sadegi and Bergman identified short vowels uh, marks in the text, which, if accurate, as Dorosha notes, would further indicate a later dating of this Quranic text. So he's now saying, hold on a minute, let's be careful. Let the scholars say that. So Shoemaker is showing you that there are there are two ways to look at it. Yeah. Let me comment on this, you know, uh, and I respect Shoemaker. I have also uh, uh, an issue when we make a claim that the surah titles are a later thing. We have evidence that surah titles have been mentioned later, but the decorative features, I agree. Okay. okay. Good to come back on that. Now, Salad, um, Eleanor Salad that we talked about before, looking at the Dam 0129, not 27, but 29 right. one, concludes uh, that its dating is early 8th century, seems to be indicated by the Tepalimses. Francois de Roche says that the upper text of the Quran is from the mid-8th century. So he's not, you can see there's... And she's his student, by the way. And there's not an agreement between those two. So around 750, we're talking about the time when the Abbasids come to power. So let's see what Shoemaker then concludes. And he says, the original Quranic text of the Sanaa manuscript erased lower writing is a non-standard version of the Quran that deviates regularly from the received version, now identified as the Uthmanic Quran. So far... Efforts to identify the manuscript's original Quran has not been successful. What we have in the undertext of the Sana, this is uh, 0127, not the 29, 27, is a witness to a different early version of the Quran. And that's what the poem says. It's in this 27. So fascinating. You're getting even a dis- disagreement within scholarship, yet it's very clear that this is not Uthmanic. These are all either from the time of Abdul Malik or from the time of the Abbasid incursion when they then take over. And, they, of course, they take the, uh, They are the ones who then... What we would suggest are the ones that solidified and canonic, canonized the Quran. When is that canonical text? Million-dollar question. I would suggest it's around the 10th century. Uh, possibly the Kuwaiti Quran would probably be the one that most scholars are looking at today. But that's 300 years later. Yeah, the Kuwaiti Quran is a later one, and I myself inspected uh, at least uh, uh, some aspects of it and uh, did some uh, research on that, and it is a later time. It's in the 13th century. You know, we're not talking about something that was uh, immediately after the fact. What are we going to talk about next? Well, I want to get back to that reference that Van Putin referred to, and he, ref- he went to the, tu- uh, the Tubigen manuscript, which is in Germany. Let's look at the Tubigen next, and let's ask the same question that we've asked the Sana, looking at the carbon dating. Let's ask what we now know about the Tubigen Quran. It's important that we run both down. So let's go yeah. to the Tubigen. And- Just out of curiosity, did uh, are you aware of any effort by uh, Van Putin to come back and maybe either clarify his position or correct his position or modify his position based on any new discoveries. No, this is what's interesting. That's why I'm wondering if he's even in this discussion anymore. I would love to see how he's going he's gonna to support what Shoemaker, because what Shoemaker does, as we said at the very beginning, he only takes the scholar's quotations. He says, let's follow where the scholarship is right now. Now, this was, this was uh, published in 2022, August of 2022. So it's very, very recent. Van Putin has been saying this for years. I'd love to see what he's going to do on his comeback on this. Wonderful. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you, everyone. Until next time, have a blessed day.
Let us reason with Al Fadi. We depend on the generous gifts of our supporters to produce this program. To join us in this work, go to patreon.com and search for CIRA International. That's C-I-R-A International. You can also donate through PayPal. Go to CIRAinternational.com to learn more. Your support will help us continue introducing Muslims to the gospel of Christ. Now, back to Let Us Reason. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.